0: Parents do not understand what they're supporting when they support the red bread movement, because in general, people trust the schools and they trust that the teachers have the best interest. I wanted parents to have an understanding of what's really going on so they can start pushing back on these schools because this has got to stop. Welcome back to Fearless
1: with Mark and Amber, the intersection of faith, family, and filmmaking. If you guys have been on the journey with us for a while, you know that we are just starting a new film called The Mind Polluters, and we have been learning and diving into all things comprehensive sex ed and social emotional learning. And today we have a special guest with us. It is Jennifer McWilliams. Jennifer is an Indiana teacher. She's also the founder and CEO of Purple for Parents Indiana. In fall of 2019, Jennifer took a job as a Title I teacher at Frankton Elementary. And as the school year started, Red for Ed, a national movement for the teachers unions, was in full force. Jennifer began researching what was behind Red for Ed and was disturbed by what she found. The information supporting Red for Ed was extremely misleading and many policies hurting public schools were being pushed by the union. So she began Purple for Parents, Indiana, to bring awareness to parents and communities in order to protect children and parental rights in the education system. But wait, Jennifer, your story doesn't stop there, does it?
0: No. No.
1: So she also, a few short months later, in February of this year, 2020, you were terminated from your teaching position for expressing concerns about the social emotional learning program at your school. You now have a First Amendment federal lawsuit to defend your constitutionally protected right to free speech, and you hope the successful outcome of your case will empower other teachers to speak up and protect children in the education system. Jennifer, welcome to the show.
0: Thanks for having me, Amber. (laughs) Oh, of course. Okay, so we have a
1: lot to unpack and talk about here today. But so tell me really quickly and our audience who's listening. So you, how long have you been a teacher?
0: So I, I actually graduated with my degree back in 2006, but I took a lot of time off because I stayed home with my kids. Yeah. Um, and, and in between there, I had, I had worked at the school kind of off and on just as a instructional assistant, but I had not taken a, a, a teaching job until 2019.
1: Right. And so, and you got to think 2019 school start in August. Correct. Yeah. And then you were actually (laughs) let go in February.
0: I was.
1: (laughs) Oh my goodness. So, what, but which is great because I mean, I don't want to say great, but I'm just saying you were aware enough Mm -hmm. and could discern that these things that are being taught are not right. So, tell us a little bit about that situation and why and how you got fired.
0: So since there was so much time in between when I had graduated and then from when I took an, a teaching job in 2019, just last year, mm-hmm. um, there was a lot of things in education that changed. That's when the Common Core came in and um, this social emotional learning. So I took a, it was a Title I teaching position. So I was doing reading intervention. Can, can you tell us what Title One is? Mm-hmm. Is there so a specific... Yeah. So the schools um, that qualify for Title One, it's a government grant program that you, I don't, I'm not sure what the cutoff is, but so many children in the school have to fall before, behind the poverty line. And so then you can bring in this Title One program. And so, so I worked
1: with... So you were working with kids like at-risk kids and and mm-hmm. low-income poverty-level children.
0: They didn't have to be um, low-income, but that's how the school um, qualifies for that grant. Okay, and so um, I see. I worked with four other teachers, and we each had groups of children that we worked with all day. So I had kindergarten through sixth grade. Mm-hmm. And so throughout the day, I would have 30 minute um, slots where they would come down and I would do reading intervention with them for the students that needed the extra support. When I started the job, I was uh, obviously very excited to to get my career going after sure. it's been a while. I have a, I have a 14 year old, so it's it had been a while. At the same time, the Red for Ed movement was picking up steam. So I really was not familiar with the the movement other than I knew it was the teachers union. And I started researching it because we had got a email that said, you know, get your, get your red shirt and you can, your administration has approved it. You can wear it on Wednesdays. So I went home and I'm like, okay, what, well, you know, there wasn't a lot of details about what it was other than right. just this movement. And, um, I went home and researched it found that it was the teachers' union, and then the statistics that they were that they were pushing out into the communities and supporting this movement with, I wanted to research. I wanted to mm-hmm. make sure they were accurate statistics. And when I started to research the statistics, I found that they were heavily skewed. For instance, one of them that they like to say is, well, Indiana's the lowest paid teachers, so we have to have this movement to increase their pay. And so when I went to see where they got that statistic from, it came from the NEA, which is the National Education Association. Mm-hmm. And just so everyone is familiar, knows that I, the ISTA is our chapter of the NEA. What so does that stand for? The, the Indiana State Teachers Association. Oh, okay. Okay. So the ISTA here in Indiana is it, the NEA, the nationals, the chapter. Education. So it's all mm-hmm. the same thing. Yes. And they had taken this these statistics of teachers' pay across the nation, and they did not factor in things like the cost of living, which is massive. Uh, so if you it makes compare, a big difference. If you compare our pay to someone in California or Illinois, uh, right, like even right. states right next to us, because our state <laughs> is more fiscally responsible than than those states, and mm-hmm. so th- they're just not accurate statistics. So that really was a red flag for me. So then I started digging more into the statistics and found that they were all heavily skewed and and did not take into, you know, you can you can you can make statistics whatever you want. (laughs) Right. Really.
1: Depending upon the data you use.
0: Exactly. Mm -hmm. And so I found that that's what was going on. So I was trying to research what was really what what is what are they trying to do other than more pay? And they they were pushing for more pay, less accountability. And then the other thing that they're doing is getting behind candidates that would push their policies into the schools. And I realized I was researching what policies that specifically the teachers unions are pushing into the schools and I found that it was the comprehensive sex ed, the social emotional learning, so a lot of things that I personally do not agree with.
1: Well, and I don't even I don't even know where to begin because it's hard for me to even fathom that people want to get behind this. But I mean I I know that we all have different values. Mm -hmm. But still, these are very dangerous and corrupting curriculum that they're talking about. Okay, so so let's get into what you've learned with the social emotional learning Mm -hmm. and the comprehensive sex ed and how they how they go together.
0: So when I had started, my school was in the third year of their social emotional learning program. So it was. So this stuff is fairly new. It is new. Yes. And so it was going, but it is a process to implement these programs so I had to, you know, obviously I w- I was given a class to teach this social emotional learning to like all the teachers in the school are. And again, just like the union, I wanted to research what this was about because it seemed very odd to me. I just kept thinking there's something off. You know, why are we teaching this when we have last year a statistic came out that only less than a third of our eighth graders are proficient in reading and we're worried about character education, social emotional learning. When I started to research, I found it comes from a place called Castle. That's C A S E L,
1: mm-hmm. and
0: it stands for the Collaborative for Academic, Social, and Emotional Learning. Sounds and, good, right?
1: Sounds uh, right, important.
0: Right, right. Uh, of course, their definition of social emotional learning is. it it is very long and actually recently they have added to it, but it is full of all the, all the buzzwords, you know, they want equity in the schools and they push for five specific competencies through social emotional learning. Those are social awareness, -awareness, self-awareness, self-management, decision-making and relationship skills. Mm -hmm. And they, they, Say that through social emotional learning, they need to teach children all of these skills in order for them to be successful. Now I'm gonna break it down for people in in so you can really understand what they're doing. They are, they want to influence your children's attitudes, beliefs, and mindsets based on very radical progressive ideology. That's Which what it
1: totally is. It totally flies in the face of anything faith based or biblical.
0: Yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly, and just and,
1: un- undermining parents and their the family structure.
0: Yes, uh huh, and they talk a lot about educating the whole child. And when they talk about the whole child, that's what they're talking about is their belief system, their mindset. That is not the place of the school. And so I became very concerned about that because when I was teaching and I look at those children, every single one of them are coming to school to learn so they can grow up and be individuals in society. And it is not my job to push my beliefs on that child. Right. Not, Not in a public school. Right. Right. Um, so I, I was very concerned about it. So I continued my research on it and they talk about, like I said, the whole child, but it is also an entire school culture shift. So when schools adopt these programs, they want the schools to transform the whole culture. And they do this by using brainwashing techniques. OK, that oh, this is fabulous. Is, parents, um,
1: listen, parents and grandparents, listen up.
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> Hello. Yes.
1: Because, okay, yeah, let, they, let, let, let's time out for a second. So sure. you actually had a class to teach you how to teach your kids and all of the teachers are being taught these methods.
0: I actually did not get the, the, the training, but that I had some teachers went through some training for it. The class uh-huh. that I was talking about was, I, a, I was actually given a class of children. So not only are they bringing in this character education, which is really a, a psychological manipulation of these children, mm-hmm. they're, they're having teachers that are not trained to deal in that area, uh-huh. <laughs> influence <laughs> these beliefs on the kids. And what I had was, I was at a elementary school, so we had kindergarten through sixth grade, and I was given a class that, was, that had children from every grade in it, kindergarten through sixth grade, and the kids would... <laughs> for the last hour of the day, this is not every day. So this, these were what they called lead days. They would have the children come into the other classroom and we would do things like role play with these children. And we would give, so you would give them a scenario And then you would have these children decide maybe as a group or you would group them into separate groups and they would decide how they should handle that social situation. That you would have sixth graders, of course, influencing the little kindergartners on Mm -hmm. what is socially and politically correct. So
1: we've got a big groupthink thing going on here.
0: Yes. Yes. Yeah, oh, it,
1: my word. OK, I'm trying to process this because I think I when when did the schools become counselors like the whole school become, you know, psychologically equipped to lead children
0: in this way? So even though I have the classroom and that did not happen every day, that was just here and there when they had these big lead days, mm-hmm. the social emotional learning actually is incorporated into every, their every single day. So when I said that they were using brainwashing techniques, they use a ton of propaganda. My school was completely remodeled and with all of the every single hallway, the billboards, the signs all incorporated the language of the social emotional learning can you, tell us what,
1: can you tell us what some of the languages? What What did that look like in your hallway? Can you describe what they are, like what you were seeing?
0: Sure. So just so parents know that the, the social emotional learning programs come under many different names. Mm-hmm. Okay. And they all work a little differently maybe, um, but they all surround the same skills and competencies because your school may not have what mine was called. Um, it, it, the language is manipulated, but it may not be the same words. So in my school, we used a program called Leader in Me, and they wanted the kids to adopt the skills such as win-win. and Which sounds good on the surface. It does. It, it sounds good. And really, what it means is compromise, right? Mm-hmm. So if you and I were working at a business as adults, and we had a project, we would need to compromise. We would need to win-win for the for the goal for the greater, but in a school, when they are teaching children, these skills, the children do not understand when it is appropriate to apply that skill and when it is not. And they are teaching the skills such as win-win to the children as how, this is how you get through life. You need these skills and you apply these skills in your everyday life through all of the situations. So when you come to a difference with someone, you need to win-win um, again, still sounds okay, but it when you consider there are a lot of things that you do not want your children to compromise on. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's where it gets pretty scary. For instance, uh, one of the pushes, one of the things we're pushing into the school is the inclusive restrooms, and I do not want my seven-year-old daughter to win-win when there is a male wanting to come into the restroom to right. compromise her feelings and her safety. Mm-hmm. And you can apply that to so many things that you do not want a, a child to compromise on unwanted sexual advances. I mean, you know, beliefs that are outside of their their Christian beliefs, mm-hmm. you know, anything like that. But the school is teaching them that this is how you get through life. Another one was seek first to understand before you are understood. So they teach the child Just because you don't understand something, you, you know, before you speak up, you need to work to understand where the other person is coming from. And specifically, there's many issues that this surrounds, but social emotional learning really pushes social justice issues. So I think LGBTQ agenda, Mm -hmm. um, the Black Lives Matter, Mm -hmm. critical race theory. So they Mm -hmm. want to do lessons so that my child who is white can understand why she is racist. Oh, that, that
1: white fragility is just yes. all over the place.
0: Uh-huh. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's horrible. So, it, even though my child is not racist, of course. Right. Uh, so that's the idea behind it. This language, these skills, win-win, seek first before you are understood. Be proactive is another one. They are seemingly innocent. Mm-hmm. But when you see the lessons they apply these skills with, you understand that, again, it is psychological manipulation of the children's attitudes, mindsets, and beliefs. So Mm -hmm. the hallways would have these phrases put up and then maybe you would have your classroom say, uh, say you just said, win-win. I want you to get with a partner and draw a picture of how you can win-win on a situation. And it may not specifically, especially for the younger ones, always be about a social justice issue but they are just influencing these children to use this skill throughout life
1: right cuz um, the younger and younger they get i mean they are there to learn and mm-hmm. they were taught taught in our you know school at home to listen to the adults and so they don't really know how to discern at that point what really is the best decision to make i right. mean if you if it's if it's more about how i feel then my feelings can misguide based on the experiences I've had in life. Yes. Exactly. I mean, wh- what is true? There, where does your truth come from?
0: Right. And, and who who should be teaching these children? The government should not be teaching the children what how to handle situations other than when they're in the school, just like it used to be, you know, you follow the rules and you be respectful to people. And right? what's wrong with the golden rule. Treat others how you want to be treated mm-hmm. and and leave it at that. And, that's and guess cool. what? It's from the Bible. It's oh, from yeah. <laughs> scripture, ultimate
1: authority. <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, that's probably why they, they don't want to use that anymore, right? It is the the programs take over. Like I said, the, the propaganda is everywhere. The ideas in school, the skills are incorporated into the lessons that they do with the kids and eventually the idea is for it to just become the norm within the school for um so castle even on their website talks about that sel which is social emotional learning is mm-hmm. a lever for equity and social justice i mean they're to the point where they're not even trying to hide their. no yeah you know, if people look If you really look at what they're saying and you dig into their resources, you will see big supporters of social emotional learning are Planned Parenthood, Advocates for Youth, which sounds good, but if you go to their website, you will see it is extremely radical and progressive. Mm -hmm. The uh, Southern Poverty Law Center is a huge supporter of social emotional learning. In fact, Indiana recently put out a memo to the schools asking them to adopt the Southern Poverty Law Center's social justice standard, which would incorporate and cover a lot of those social and emotional learning competencies.
1: Okay. Okay. So, so here's where it gets to where as a parent, my feathers just get ruffled because mm-hmm. first of all, why this, this Southern poverty law, this standard, um, and we've got, you said it was Indiana Department of Education
0: mm-hmm. sent yep. out the memo.
1: Okay yes, so who who decides whether or not the schools adopt this program
0: so the administration at the school would decide to adopt that since it is not a required standard yet by the Indiana Department of Education. But I will tell you, when the, when the Indiana Department of Education puts out memos like that, and th- this it incorporates directly into social-emotional learning, which is the huge focus right now in the mm-hmm. schools, because it's really the vehicle that people are using, that the schools are using to bring in these progressive ideology, mm-hmm. uh, they... They use it. They do it. So I,
1: I believe I just saw New Jersey sent a bill to make it mandatory, mm-hmm. and they're getting ready to vote on it.
0: I'm very concerned that this next year they are going to try to mandate social emotional learning. You would think it's mandated if you look at the the uh, Indiana Department of Education website. But it is not a mandated standard, I guess, yet. Now it does fall in with some of the codes, but they could also cover those codes other ways. I you can you can see it coming. They are mm-hmm. going to push to get it mandated. Now, last year, Jennifer McCormick and the Indiana Department of Education was very excited about. They did adopt for um, I believe it's just. high school so so ninth through twelfth grade it is not required yet but if a student takes that that class so they have to offer that class then those are the standards that they will have again that class incorporates the critical race theory the white supremacy fragility which means um the white fragility means if you are white white you are racist your children are racist you were born racist (laughs) um and that you Need to basically pay for for being racist,
1: right? Pay for being white. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And I
0: thought you know the the idea for a long time was we were not supposed to look at the the your identity in that way. Um. And now skin they, color they, was
1: not the issue.
0: Exactly. Exactly. And it's it a is matter not. of character. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh huh. Oh my it's, gosh. It. I mean, we're it's like we're moving backwards.
1: Yeah. yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So, so and. Tell me now then about Purple Purple for Parents because you started that here in Indiana and the main Purple for Parents started in Arizona. Is that correct? Mm-hmm.
0: But, yep. It was a group of parents that started it in Arizona because the Red Fred movement started in Arizona. So they had almost a year in before it moved into Indiana. And when I was researching the Red Fred movement, trying to figure out exactly what they stood for, I had came across this group in Arizona that had stood up to it and, and made a stand against a lot of what they were doing. It's still a battle. It'll always be a battle. So I had reached out to them and I said, Hey, I think, I think that in Indiana, we need something like this. And mm-hmm. I would be happy to start it because parents do not understand what they're supporting when they support the red friend movement, because in general, people trust the school's And they trust that the teachers have the best interest. Mm -hmm. And we are in a time where there are some teachers that have good uh, interests, but they do not have a voice in the school. And because like... What happened to me was I I used my voice and was fired. And I wanted this group because I wanted parents to have an understanding of what's really going on so they can start pushing back on these schools because this has got to stop.
1: How much are teachers really aware of what they're supporting as well?
0: I when I first started this, what I believed was that a lot of them did not know and what they were really paying dues for. So the teachers union, even though they act like they're for teachers and children, they're not. They are a pack. They are a political action committee
1: mm-hmm.
0: that uses their money and influence to push radical, progressive ideas and idea, you know, ideology into our uh, our our society through laws. Mm-hmm. And and it is about power. They are the biggest union in the world. They have the most power. But when you become a teacher, I think a lot of the teachers just think that's what you do. You pay into this union and then you have some protection. But I don't, I, I don't think, or I hope at least a lot of them are not aware. <laughs> I guess I, well, I, I wish they were, but at the same time, if they are aware of the, what their re- adopted resolutions for their handbook is,
1: but here's here's interesting. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow up with what you just said, because okay. I went and I downloaded the NEA's handbook, 2019 handbook, because I think you were the one who suggested people go in and, and read it. Okay. But just from the executive director of the NEA, he says, quote, we can't shrink away from people or partners, just the opposite. This is a time to lean in. I just love that everybody uses uh-huh. lean in these days this is a time to forge deep relationships with all who share our values recognizing that our core values are timeless equal opportunity collective action professionalism democracy partnership and a just society Mm -hmm. nea has been at the forefront of some of the nation's most important movements abolition civil rights women's rights gay rights these movements Help shape who we are as an organization. And if we live by our values, our legacy will place us on the right side of history, whether it is immigration, gun violence, school funding, or economic justice. And here's where it gets, uh, I just, this last part gets me. Our union demanded an end to child labor and said that every child should be in school, not working in a factory. Our union put a stop to firing teachers when they became pregnant. Our union was the first union to have a comprehensive statement in support of same-sex marriage. NEA is made from tough, righteous stuff. Our organization has a true calling and a clear purpose to keep fighting and keep educating for our students, for our union, and for our democracy. Yeah. Okay, so... um. When did all of those things become become the job of a teacher's union?
0: Uh, Yeah, I was floored when I read through their handbook. And last year, the NEA at their annual meeting voted down a proposal to put the um, I, I can't think how they worded it, but it was the best education for all students. They voted that down as a resolution, but instead they voted in to support the Me Too movement, abortion, the open borders. They are for reparations for descendants of slaves. They are they they supported the impeachment of Trump. They this are is the for, this, this is
1: the NEA, this is the NA. National Education Association, who who is basically over all of the teachers in the United States.
0: They also voted in um, the support of Black Lives Matter into the schools, which is now happening, of course, through social emotional learning. As I said, that's the vehicle Mm -hmm. for all of these things. Yeah, Because Um, if you
1: go on Castle's website, I was actually on there yesterday and they've got this this uh, it says new exclamation point, exclamation point social, emotional learning. And I'm like, Oh my gosh. Like we're so proud. Like we have social, emotional learning.
0: The, the focus of the, the union, the movement, it has nothing to do with educating these children. Nothing. They are turning children into little social justice warriors. They believe that it is their job to influence the children and not the parents because they believe they know better. Mm -hmm. And so now we have teachers paying dues that is has empowered this movement. Oh, absolutely. And I keep and I've said several times they are their own worst enemy. So mm-hmm. for the teachers that really do want to get back <laughs> to teaching kids and you know want a good paycheck for good performance, I, I think a lot of parents would support that. But oh, instead, they're they're paying dues to the union that to is, corrupt
1: our kids and generations.
0: Yes. Yep. And then spend and then push these programs like social emotional learning, which is extremely expensive, extremely. Mm -hmm. These programs are very expensive. They're pyramid schemes. The people at the top get, you know, massively wealthy. And so that money doesn't come down to the teachers. They're their own worst enemy when they Mm -hmm. when they're supporting that. Yeah. And that's why I that's why I could not come home and look at my children and, and look at other parents that I have respectful that for, and that are trying to teach their children and do right in this world and not speak up when I had this knowledge. And that's why I started Purple for Parents because I wanted teachers to have, or parents to have the truth.
1: Amen, sister.
0: <laughs> and I'm so glad you did. I mean, yeah.
1: I, I had no idea before we, before we started this project. I'm like, I have no idea what they're talking about. Hey, so y'all are along for the ride. You get to learn along, ride alongside with us. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, so, is there is there anything else you want to add about the social emotional learning? Uh,
0: I so yeah. Let me let me add this. This is another scary part of it that parents <laughs> need to be aware of. They are in order to in to bring these programs into the school, they use uh, data collection through surveys on our. Oh children. my gosh!
1: We literally okay, folks. I'm not our kids are not in the public school system, but we did just go through a survey type thing. And I said, what is this for? (laughs) Sorry, go ahead.
0: No, you're fine. Well, (laughs) uh, we've actually found where these programs are starting to pop up and um, we found them in Catholic schools. We have found them in Christian schools. I just, people are not aware of what's really going on. Mm -hmm. So they they do these surveys and their mental health surveys, which I, unless I am, aware uh, and that my child may need it and if a child needs it okay but a parent should be in control of who is doing these surveys what is the purpose of them who is it
1: serving yes
0: i mean what is the agenda exactly so so the schools will do this and they have found a loophole a, a gray area that they are able to do these surveys without parental consent on these children now, they are aware that there are some surveys that are that they cannot do that would be against the law, but they are finding the ones that are that are in that gray area, the loophole that they can use. They survey these children. And again, just like statistics, the, the survey will have a you can form those questions. They're often very leading questions to get the information that they want, and mm-hmm. then they will justify bringing in these programs. Okay, so if you have you do a survey on children on their identities, the school can then take that data and say, well, we have, you know, 10 percent or whatever of our children that aren't sure about what their identity is or are confused about it or would like to reach out to someone and talk about it. So we need to bring this into our school. Uh, these programs and these lessons to help everyone understand what what it is, and that's what mm-hmm. that's what they're doing. So then they also take. So our Indiana Department of Education requires schools to collaborate with a mental health institute with this data again without parental consent. So they they do these surveys for whatever they're looking for. They take the data, they give it to a mental health provider. And then between the school and the mental health provider, they place children into what's called a multi-tiered system of support MTSS. Um, It is on our Indiana department of education's website. You can look it up if it's so all children in a SEL school are in level one. All of them are put in level one. I was just going to ask
1: what, what grades, I mean, are they going like K through 12 with these surveys K through 12? Yep. Oh my word. So, and like, they will like kindergartners know the yeah, I mean, exactly. When you say they're leading questions, I mean, how are yeah. kids going to answer? They're confused, they have no idea. They're going to, okay, I'm going to click a button,
0: right? Right? My, oh, yeah, my, my child would be so confused at those questions, some of those questions. Um, they will also do, um, the data collection off of it may be a survey, but they may also just do it off of um, observations. They may do it off of an interview with a child, maybe a child's acting out a little bit. So they'll bring a child into the office and and do an interview to get the information that they're looking for. So they put the children, all of them are in tier one, which is the program itself. Mm -hmm. And then they will identify the children through the surveys to place into tier two or tier three. And tier two is for, um, they will group, children. It is for small group interventions based on whatever beliefs they feel they need to uh, interfere with. Mm -hmm. And then tier three is for very specific targeted intervention for children. And there's really no guidelines. So if parents want to know, well, what, what puts them there? There's, there's not, that's between the school and the mental health provider to decide what they want what, where, where they want to push that child. And they, so believe, we're just
1: labeling kids, we're just labeling oh, yeah. them with issues. Mm-hmm.
0: And this data is also plugged into a state and then national and, 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 and likely global data. That what concerns me very much, well, that this data on these children will follow them through life. And you can see what, what will happen with that, mm-hmm. right? Layer down. At, hmm. This was supported by the Obama administration. And one of the things that he spoke about was, well, when there was a school shooting that we need mental health for the community and the children. And he spoke about needing data to support uh, the mental health guidelines for your Second Amendment. Mm -hmm. So, you know, maybe a child's having a rough couple of years it happens things happen if there's a sure. divorce or something right so circumstances
1: day, i mean life absolutely. happens
0: we all absolutely. deal with it even as adults yep so about years down the road if we don't get this stopped they're going to be able to use this data to tell these children when they grow up in our adults you have, have a, a past top.
1: history of of yes. xyz and you're not safe so we're just gonna lock you up i mean you're just right. you're just right. a criminal
0: or we're going to take away your your Second Amendment right, or you can't. Um, I mean, you name uh, there's it. There's some really scary stuff out yeah. there.
1: Yeah,
0: it's it's just all very very scary stuff that they're mm-hmm. that they're doing, and it does not belong in the schools. and And parents have got to start speaking up. And even if your child is not in the system, my children are not in the in the government school system. But when they grow up, they are going to be in a world of adults that are, have been fully indoctrinated to, to believe this radical ideology and they're going to be the minority. And and that's, that's also scary. So Mm -hmm. even if your children are not in the system, we need everyone to stand with us against this. It is not right.
1: Oh my gosh, Jennifer, this is (laughs) overwhelming. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. How can people find you and find Purple for Parents?
0: We're on Facebook, Purple for Parents. We have a private group that you can join. Answer a couple questions, and you can join. We have a ton of support and information in there. We also have a Facebook public page. We have a website, Purple for ParentsIndiana.com, and um, we w- we would love your support. We need yeah. we need everybody. Yes.
1: Yes. Well, thank you for being on the show. I know this is not going to be the last conversation we have because, oh my goodness, there's a lot of work to do. (laughs) Yes,
0: yes. thank you so much.
1: Thank you. Thank you for listening in to this eye-opening conversation about what's being taught to our children through the current education system. If you'd like to learn more about our current documentary film project, The Mind Polluters, or to get involved and lend your support, visit themindpolluters.com. Together, we are making a difference. Look for the link in the show notes. And as always, thanks for listening and joining us on this journey. Be sure to leave a review over on iTunes and subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or SoundCloud. You don't want to miss any of these informative conversations we have coming. And as always, you guys have a wonderfully blessed day. We will talk to you next week.